This podcast contains content and language not suitable for some listeners. Welcome to Oddities and Curiosities, a podcast about murder, the paranormal, and other oddities sure to pique your curiosity. We are Amanda and Brittany. (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it. (laughs) Hey, girl. Hey. Hi. How you doing? I made it here. Yes, you did. (laughs) Rather early. I, I have to say, um, for like the past hour and a half, I've really had my shit together. I'm so proud. <laughs> maybe, I don't mean to brag or anything, jealous, but... <laughs> but I'm proud. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, you should totally brag about that. Even if it only happens for 30 minutes or an hour and a half. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. I got it going on. Yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so, hi. Hi. Episode 33. Yeah. And it's twins. Twins. We're twinning. Yes. Um, or twinkying. Twinkying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, and something kind of like cute and funny that Amanda pointed out last week. Okay. Episode 33. Oh, yeah. Is twins. Like, get it? Three, three twins. Cause yeah. like it's two, two yeah. threes and two. they're the same. Yeah. Y'all like get twins. It. Yeah. Okay. You get it. It's good. It's good. They're laughing. It makes sense to me. <laughs> I even stopped <laughs> mid recording. I was like, girl. <laughs> yeah. That was last week. So here we are this week. We came back. And so did you. You came back too. I did come back every week. Well, I meant the people. We came back and so did the people. My bad. Okay. My shit's not together anymore. It's all gone to hell. Mine's obviously not. (laughs) It's all gone to hell. Hi. But it's fine because it's Wednesday. (laughs) It is Wednesday. And it's hump day. Wednesday's hump day. Well, we got tonight. In honor of our (laughs) twins episode. Yeah. I brought Twinkies. Yes, you did. <laughs> we finally have Twinkies and wine. Twinkies and wine. Twinkies and wine. Oh, that's real class jam. So we're having Hostess Twinkies. Yes, none other. Delicious little snack cakes. Boy, do we scarf those little babies down. Gone. They're gone. So good. It's it's fine though. <gasps> and we're washing it down with California Roots Pink Moscato mm-hmm. that you can get for like five or six bucks at Target. Classy as fuck this week. I was going to say classy ass bitches, but okay. That works Same time. too. Same time. False babe in it. <laughs> she did a little piece out of everything. Pizza. Okay. Like y'all can see me. <laughs> One of these days, y'all, we're going to do it. It's not going to be pretty, <laughs> but we're going to record it. Yep. Mm-hmm. One of these days. It. I'm sure. There will be a select few that get it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so go to the Facebook and Instagram pages so that, you can that. see the photos that we're talking about on the cases this week. Yep, there will be pictures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, always. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the Facebook and the Instagram stuff. Yeah. All that. Just look up our name. Yeah. Find the logo. Yeah, we don't there. even know what it's called anymore. We we give up. All that's out the window. Mm-hmm. Goodbye, professionalism. No, no, no. <laughs> we just became professionals last week. Fuck, we did. We, we deemed episode 32 professional we episode. We can't ditch it already. You're right. 
We at least, you got to finish this season out. At least. You can't. Like Ashton says to me, get it together, mom. We yeah. need to get it together. Yeah. Get it yeah. together, mom. <laughs> okay. Cool mom. We'll get it. Because we are fucking cool moms. I think so. I like us. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, anyways, yeah. Here we are. Episode 33, Twins. And I'm so eight, excited! Having Twinkies and wine. It's all, it's all fun. Yeah. These cases. We've got great so cases. Good. Okay. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. I'm ready. <laughs> My case is on Jennifer and June Gibbons. <laughs> yes. If you have not heard of these gals, <sighs> buggle up. Okay. Here we go. Those of us who aren't twins have no idea what that type of connection is like. People often talk about twin telepathy, a particularly intense psychological bond between twins. However, the relationship between June and Jennifer Gibbons was unusually ferocious, even Mm. by twin standards, to the point of being rather eerie. I love that word because it looks so weird on paper. I know. Eerie. I like all the E's. (laughs) I know. That's too much E's for one word. (laughs) Never. Known as the Silent Twins, the two barely talked to anyone except each other for nearly 30 years. But then one twin died under mysterious circumstances. Bum, bum, bum. That's fine. We're all fine. Yeah. <clears throat> in April 1963 at the military hospital in Aden, Yemen, a pair of twin girls were born. Their births were not unusual, nor were their dispositions as infants. But soon enough, their parents began to see that June and Jennifer Gibbons were not like other children, and it wouldn't be until one of the twins met her untimely death that any sense of normalcy would be reclaimed. Yeah. I have a picture of them as babies. Okay. So go to the notes and look at the one that says babies. Babies. Oh. And look how toot. Oh, look how- <laughs> <laughs> they are toot. I know. Oh. They really are cute. They're precious. Yep. They look normal cute and everything. cheeks. Oh my gosh. I know. I love fat baby cheeks. Me too. Those oh. are the best ones. Like I don't. I- <laughs> my, my phone. Your phone sounds like a vibrator. <laughs> It's it's having problems. <laughs> they they probably didn't hear that, but probably not. It was just funsies for me. <laughs> not long after their girls hit speaking age, Gloria and Aubrey Gibbons realized that their twin daughters were different. Not only were they far behind their peers in regard to language skills, but they were also unusually inseparable, and the two girls seemed to have a private language that only they could understand. Yeah. And here's a quote from their father, Aubrey. In the home, they'd talk, make sounds and all that, but we knew that they weren't quite like, you know, normal children, talking readily. Okay. The Gibbons family was originally from Barbados. The family, which consisted of the twins, their parents, Gloria and Aubrey, and their two older siblings, Greta and David, immigrated to England, specifically Yorkshire. Oh. (laughs) In the early 1960s. Um... Also, I didn't include this, but later on, they had a younger sister named Rose. Oh, okay. Though the family spoke English at home, young June and Jennifer Gibbons began to speak another language, believed to be a sped-up version of English. uh, I speak English. (laughs) Do you? (laughs) Of English and Bahan Creole. Oh, yeah. 
The two would come to be known as the Silent Twins for their unwillingness to communicate with anyone except for each other. I wish we had a recording of the way that they talked to each other. I know. That would have been so cool. Because it was like, it was it was that, like the English and the Bahan, but it was like sped up, right? They, yeah, and they had a speech impediment too. So yeah. even the English words were barely recognizable. Yeah. It wasn't only their language that kept the girls isolated. Being the only black children in their elementary school made them the target of relentless bullying, which only deepened their dependency on each other. That sucks. I, I know. I have a picture of them in elementary school as well. Ooh. Go to the notes. They still cute. I know. Aww. <laughs> Look at that little like. There's, I mean, there's a lot of <laughs> sass the, in this picture. Yeah, the one on the right's definitely got some sass. Mm-hmm. Oh no, the one on the left too. She's got. She's like. She looks like she's being sneaky. Just about take something. the damn picture. She looks like she's being sneaky. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just let me get back to my sister, please. <laughs> As the bullying got worse, school officials began releasing the girls early in the hopes that they could sneak out and avoid being harassed. That's sad that, I mean, it's sad anyway, but it got that bad that the school felt like they had to do that. That's cool that they did that, though. Yeah. I mean, true story. Yeah. Not everybody would do that. Yeah. By the time the girls were teenagers, their language had become unintelligible to anyone else. They had also developed other strange behaviors, such as refusing to communicate with virtually any outsiders, refusing to read or write in school, and mirroring each other's actions. By age 11, June and Jennifer had begun walking in sync around town, their steps perfectly matched. That is creepy. That is, yeah. However, if anyone looked at them, they would freeze completely until the passerby looked away. What? That's even creepier. Okay, I didn't know that part. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. In 1974, a medic named John Reese noticed the girl's strange behavior while administering a yearly school-sanctioned health check. According to Reese, the twins were unusually non-reactive to being vaccinated. He described their behavior as doll-like. The Mm. medic stated, the twins were totally expressionless. You spoke to them. They didn't react. They didn't look at you. 13-year-olds tear about the place. Now, these two little girls were walking, one behind the other, heads down, as if they're in some sort of chain gang. I'd never come across anything like it before. Were they, like, catatonic? Or, no, they moved. Yeah, he just said they, like, they were just vacant. Okay. They didn't seem to react much to what was going on. Okay. He quickly alerted the school's headmaster. When the headmaster brushed him off, saying that the girls were not especially troubled... Reese notified a child psychologist who immediately insisted that the girls be enrolled in therapy. Good job, Reese. Right? Despite seeing several psychotherapists, psychiatrists, and psychologists, that was a lot of... This is sex. (laughs) (laughs) The girls remained a mystery and continued to refuse to speak to anyone else. Well. In February of 1977, a speech therapist, Anne Treharn? Treharn? Yeah. Treharn. I like it. Treharn. Met the two girls. While refusing to speak in Traharn's presence, the two consented to having their dialogues recorded if left alone. Ooh. Yeah. Traharn had the sense that June wished to speak to her, but was being compelled not to do so by Jennifer. Traharn later said that Jennifer, quote, sat there with an expressionless gaze, but I felt her power. The thought entered my mind that June was possessed by her twin, end quote. So there are recordings. (laughs) Yeah, I just didn't come across any. 
We just don't have access to that. Yeah. We need to get higher up. Yeah. We need to have clearance. <laughs> I want to have that special clearance. We would never get clearance. <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> you spent a whole like four hours in jail, Amanda. We would never Shh. get clearance. Shh. Shh. <laughs> Nobody needs to know. We're already in a database. Like, there's no clearance. But for it us. was for speeding tickets. It's not like I was a real criminal. My God, prison Amanda. <laughs> Ultimately, the decision was made. <laughs> I'm an Avenger, bitch. Oh my God. Get your friend. <laughs> Come get me. <laughs> Ultimately, the decision was made to separate the silent twins and send the girls to two different boarding schools. The hope was that once they were out on their own and able to develop a sense of self, the girls would break out of their shells and begin to communicate with others. It was immediately clear that the experiment was a failure. Rather than branch out, June and Jennifer Gibbons withdrew entirely into themselves and became almost catatonic. Oh, they stole my word! (laughs) I think that word is out there for all to use. No. <laughs> okay. Not my word. My question. It's not, I, it, I got it answered. That Once word's again. mine. Catatonic's mine. <laughs> I called shotgun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not my word. I called shotgun. Mm. There you go. <laughs> I don't know. Ignore me. Keep going. Motherfuck. <laughs> At one point during their separation, it took two people to get June out of bed, after which she was simply propped against a wall, her body stiff and heavy as a corpse. Oh, shit. Indeed, the boundaries separating one twin from the other, what made them two individuals, seemed to be blurring for the twins, as discussed by June herself in the documentary, Silent Twins Without My Shadow. (gasps) I have not watched yet. Oh! Where June stated... Quote, one day she'd wake up and be me, and one day I would wake up and be her. And we used to say to each other, give me back myself. If you give me back myself, I'll give you back yourself. End quote. Whoa. What is happening? <laughs> yeah. What? Um, That is heavy. Okay. I can see that, though. Yeah. I, yeah. And I don't How like you it. would kind of lose your identity Ooh. if you had another you. Yeah, like, I don't like it. I don't like it. Okay. Upon being reunited, the twins became even closer to one another and became more withdrawn from the rest of the world. They no longer spoke to their parents, except for communicating by writing letters. Retreating to their bedroom, June and Jennifer Gibbons spent their time playing with dolls and creating elaborate fantasies that they would sometimes record and share with their younger sister, Rose, the only recipient of communication in the family. Okay. Their mother usually had to push mail under their door and leave food outside the room. Wow. Because they wouldn't go anywhere. Wow. Yeah. Okay. They're dedicated. (laughs) Interviewed for a New Yorker article in 2000, June said, quote, We had a ritual. We'd kneel down by the bed and ask God to forgive our sins. We'd open the Bible and start chanting from it and pray like mad. We'd pray to him not to let us hurt our family by ignoring them. To give us strength to talk to our mother, our father. We couldn't do it. Hard it was. Too hard. End quote. Mm. Hard it was. Hard it was. Okay, Yoda. God. (laughs) I'm so cool. (laughs) 
<laughs> the cool kid just radiates from me. I can't help it. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I was going to try to, like, do a Yoda, but he already did it. So the only other thing I can reverse is, was it hard? That's what she said. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I don't think we can deem ourselves professionals anymore. No, nope, <laughs> we nope, broke it. We nope, broke it. We broke it. <laughs> to be continued when we will be determined professionals. <laughs> After being given a pair of diaries for Christmas, the silent twins began writing their plays and fantasies down and developed a passion for creative writing. When they were 16 years old, the twins took a mail-order writing course and began pulling together their small financial assets to publish their stories via Vanity Press. Yes. While the story of two young women who shun the outside world and retreat together to focus on writing sounds like the perfect situation for crafting the next great novel, this was not the case for the Silent Twins. Mm -hmm. The themes of their self-published novel were as strange and worrisome as their behavior. Y'all, <laughs> let me tell you. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> Most of the stories took place in the United States, specifically Malibu, and centered around young, attractive people who committed grisly crimes. I'm in. There was one novel titled The Pepsi-Cola Addict about a young teenager seduced by his high school teacher, sent to reform school, and at his new school, he is subjected to unwanted sexual advances from a male guard. Sounds like a movie I've seen. I don't know which one, but I don't know. I got a picture I'd, of the book. I'd watch it. I'd read it. Okay. So go to the notes and look at the picture that says book. <laughs> and there's the front of the Pepsi Cola Addict by June Allison <laughs> Gibbons. I want to know who illustrated that. <laughs> Probably them because these are self-published books. Okay. Okay, this story by June made it all the way to print. Jennifer wrote a book entitled The Pugilist. The what? Pugilist? All right. I guess that's how you say that word. That's what we're going with today. Okay. In which a physician kills the family dog in order to obtain a heart for his child's heart transplant. Oh, yeah. The spirit of the dog living on inside the child ultimately gets its revenge against the father. Maybe it's the Pugilist since it's about a dog. <laughs> I was not ready for you to say that. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me. Now. I'm just in that mood. I am so sorry. It's great. It's I love it. That's fine. <laughs> Jennifer's other works included Discomania about a young woman who discovers that the local disco incites patrons to insane violence. Saturday Night Fever! <laughs> a radio play called Postman and Postwoman and several other short stories. The girls' attempts to get any of their works published besides Pepsi Cola Addict were sadly unsuccessful. Okay, I, I'm a little disappointed. I, I, I like the idea of Discomania. <laughs> <laughs> After the printing of their book, the Silent Twins became bored with simply writing about life outside their bedroom walls and longed to experience the world firsthand. Yeah. By the time they were 18, the girls had started experimenting with drugs and alcohol and began committing petty crimes. Why not? So, now's a good time to show you a picture of them as teenagers. It says teenagers. They're still beautiful. I know. Okay. 
They really are gorgeous. Yeah, they really, really are. Like, not just pretty. They mm-hmm. are beautiful. Yes. All right, girls. And I like their little headscarf. I do, too. I could never pull off a headscarf. I can't pull that look off. No. No. I tried. Okay. So, you ready to hear some uh, craziest drama? Yeah. Okay. Buckle up. Okay. Okay. Click, click. <laughs> All right. At 21 years old, they decided to search for an American boy that they had met and become fascinated with during their time at school. When they eventually located his family, the boy, whose name was Lance Kennedy, had already moved to Philadelphia. However, the girls quickly fell in with Lance's three brothers, Jerry, Wayne, and Carl. Oh, my God. The twins discovered that alcohol, as it does for most people, helped to loosen their tongues. Yeah. Said June. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Said June, quote, without the whiskey, we didn't speak. We reckon that God told us to buy a drink and it worked. We sniffed glue and lighter fluid. We were different then, laughing and talking. We were so relaxed and laid back, end quote. Glue get, and lighter get, fluid. <laughs> get some pot. What are you doing? What are you doing? God told them to drink. Mm-hmm. <laughs> loosen, loosen them tongues <laughs> <laughs> although the kennedy brothers reportedly didn't treat the twins very well often ignoring or insulting them the girls both wanted attention from these boys well, yeah because <laughs> they treated them like shit why do we why why why, I, why? why? girls come on somebody explain it to let's us. evolve <laughs> <laughs> the first blah blah they both wanted attention from these boys the first people they had had meaningful communication with besides each other in many many years at this point despite this the boundaries between the twins were still blurry all right okay are you ready yeah um if y'all have baby ears cover them up because this is like really weird <laughs> <laughs> this is really weird baby and twisted ears. okay one night, the twins and one of the boys, Carl, got drunk in a church, mm. and Jennifer lost her virginity to Carl while June watched. This experience caused June a lot of pain and anxiety, mm-hmm. ramping up the tension and fear that had been growing between the twins. In a church! In a church. You know what? It happens more often than you think. Dirty bitches. Mm-hmm. So, uh, June wrote, quote, Something like magic is happening. I am seeing Jennifer for the first time like she is seeing me. I think she is slow, cold, has no respect, and talks too much. But she thinks I am the same. We are both holding each other back. End quote. Two weeks later, June lost her virginity to one of the Kennedy boys in much the same way her sister had. Sure. So they just watching each other fuck. That's nasty. What what is it? Kisters? Ew. (laughs) Not to yuck anybody's yum out there, but... I mean... Uh, I'm not down with that. I don't want to watch. I don't, no, thank you, please. Okay. No. Blech. Tensions were at their height. The twins even attempted to kill one another. Reports indicate that June once tried to drown Jennifer in a local river. No! And Jennifer tried to strangle June with a radio cord. Yes! Eventually, their crimes escalated <laughs> to arson! Because <laughs> that's where you go after attempting to sure. kill your sisters. Yeah. Arson. Naturally. In October 1981, June and Jennifer burned down a tractor store together and caused $200,000 worth of damage. 
They then vandalized and attempted to burn down a local technical college. Jesus! <laughs> they were on a rampage! Yeah, they were. <laughs> they were arrested, and soon after, they were placed in a maximum security hospital for the criminally insane. Yeah. Being hospitalized at Broadmoor Hospital did not prove easy for June and Jennifer Gibbons. I have a picture of Broadmoor Hospital because we know how much I love old spooky buildings. Yes. So go look at that. Okay. Broadmoor. Oh. Oh. Right? How could I not include a picture of that? Okay. That looks like one of the asylums that we should visit. In England. That makes it even better. Okay. We got to get passports. We can do it. I can get the passports. I'll get the passports. I'll pay for the passports. You pay for the plane tickets. Yeah, we're not going to England, right? (laughs) We'll save our pennies. Maybe, maybe for maybe one day when we get rich and famous. Maybe for my sixtieth birthday, we can go to England. (laughs) No, bitch, you've already had your twenty-first. Maybe for your thirtieth birthday. Okay, thirtieth birthday. Okay, okay. (laughs) Because we all know that's not been here yet. Uh, uh, uh. No. Oh, it hasn't for me either. We're so young and vivacious. (laughs) <laughs> can't even say it with a straight face <laughs> no oh my god okay <laughs> quick uh side note here okay so i forget how it came up it was either last night or this morning i think it was last night but we said something to ashton about him getting bigger and getting older and all that and he said i don't want to be old i want to be young <laughs> me, me too, too Brad. me too <laughs> me too boo-boo that feeling is never going to go away. <laughs> You're four. And he's like, I don't want to be old. He already be young. gets it. He is it such was an old soul. <laughs> Love that kid so much. <laughs> All right. Where were we? Oh, I don't know. Found it. Okay. The high security mental health facility was not as lenient about the girl's lifestyle as their school and family had been. Instead of letting them retreat into their own world, the doctors at Broadmoor began treating the silent twins with high doses of antipsychotic medicines, which caused blurred vision for Jennifer. Yeah. For nearly 12 years, the girls lived at the hospital, and their only release was found filling page after page in diary after diary. Ooh. June later said about their stay at Broadmoor, quote, We got 12 years of hell because we didn't speak. We had to work hard to get out. We went to the doctor. We said, look, they wanted us to talk. We're talking now. He said, you're not getting out. You're going to be here for 30 years. Wait a minute. We lost hope. Really? I wrote a letter to the home office. I wrote a letter to the queen asking her to pardon us to get us out. But we were trapped. End quote. Damn. Finally, in March of 1993, arrangements were made for the twins to be transferred to a lower security clinic in Wales. Okay. But after arrival at the new facility, doctors found that Jennifer was unresponsive. She mm. had seemingly drifted off during the trip and wouldn't wake up. Mm-hmm. After being taken to a nearby hospital, Jennifer Gibbons was pronounced dead due to sudden inflammation of the heart. She was just 29 years old. While Jennifer's untimely death was certainly shocking, so was the effect that it had on June. She suddenly began speaking to everyone as if she had been doing so her whole life. June was released for the ho- from the hospital shortly after and by all accounts began living a fairly normal life. It seemed that once the two silent twins were reduced to one, June had no more desire to stay silent. Crazy. Right? So if June and Jennifer Gibbons remain the silent twins for their entire life together, how does the public know so much about the inner workings of their life? Yeah. It's all thanks to a woman named Marjorie Wallace. 
In the early 1980s, Marjorie Wallace was working as an investigative journalist with the Sunday Times in London. When she heard about a pair of unusual twin girls responsible for setting at least three fires, she was hooked. Yeah, me As too. I would have been. <laughs> yeah. Wallace reached out to the Gibbons family. Aubrey and his wife, Gloria, allowed Wallace into their home and into the room where June and Jennifer built their own world. <gasps> in a 2015 interview with NPR, Wallace recalled her fascination with the imaginative writing she discovered in that room. Quote, I saw their parents and then they took me upstairs and they showed me in the bedroom lots of bean bags filled with writings. What I discovered was that while they had been in that room alone, they had been teaching themselves to write. And I put the books in the boot of my car. I guess that's the trunk. Yeah. And took them home. And I couldn't believe this, that these girls to the outside world hadn't spoken and had been dismissed as zo being zombies, had this rich, imaginative life. Spurred on by her fascination with the girls' minds, Wallace visited June and Jennifer Gibbons in prison while they were still awaiting trial. Hell yeah. They had to be carried in by guards. Wallace claimed Whoa. that the girls were carried like a plank or like a coffin on the guard's shoulders. Oh my gosh. To her delight, the girls slowly began to speak to her. Wallace believed that her curiosity of the girls' writings and a little determination could unlock their silence. Quote, they desperately wanted to be recognized and famous through their writings, to have them published and to have their story told, Wallace remembered. And I thought that maybe one way of freeing them, liberating them, would be to unlock them from that silence. Agreed. Though the girls were ultimately taken to Broadmoor, Wallace never gave up on them. I have a picture of the girls with Marjorie yeah. Wallace. It says, with Marjorie Wallace. Ah! Oh. And it looks like they're talking it does well yeah. they're conversating there are hand motions they could be talking pose like you're talking click <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like something i would do yeah <laughs> i gotta do do that to ashton sometimes but like nobody do that again do that again take another drink oh yeah that's really cute yeah he's like mom you gotta recreate the moment that i just yeah. saw damn it i saw that and that was cute and you stopped before i got my phone out i know <laughs> <laughs> I really am a good mom. <laughs> you just a made me sound crazy. Mom. That made me sound crazy. No, you're not. We all do it. During their silent stint in the mental institution, Wallace continued to visit and coax words out of them. Little by little, she made her way into their world. I always liked being with them, she said. They would have that wry little sense of humor, they would respond to jokes. Often we would spend our teas together. Aww. Would you like a I don't know why tea? that's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> we would spend our teas together just laughing. But underneath the laughter, Wallace began to see the darkness within each twin. Mm. Reading through June's diary, she found that June felt possessed by her sister, whom she referred to as a dark shadow over her. Ooh. Meanwhile, Jennifer's diaries revealed that she thought of June as herself as of June and herself, excuse me, oh. as fatal enemies, and described her sister as a face of misery, deception, and murder. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> June once wrote that her sister was driving her insane and that she feared her greatly. Jennifer, on the other hand, expressed her own sentiments that seemed to have foreshadowed her untimely demise. She described June as her shadow, writing, Without my shadow, would I die? Without my shadow, would I gain life, be free, or left to die? Mm. Yeah, mm -hmm. spooky. Mm -hmm. 
While June and Jennifer were born only 10 minutes apart, this reportedly did not stop Jennifer from viewing June as the older, stronger sibling. Jennifer, by June's own assessment, was extremely jealous of her. Mm. Wallace's research into the girls' earlier diaries revealed a deep-rooted disdain for one another. Despite their seemingly unshakable bond and their apparent devotion to each other, the girls had each privately recorded increasing fear of the other for over a decade. Well, duh, they tried to kill each other! Oh my god! No shit! I know, but they had all this going on. Like, if they had just communicated... Mm Mm-hmm. But they did it to themselves. They did. They They locked themselves in a room with somebody who they feared. And they just fed off of it. Yeah. Oh, I can't. That's crazy. Wallace noticed June seemed to be more fearful of Jennifer and Jennifer seemed to be the dominant force. In the early stages of the relationship, Wallace continuously noted that June seemed to want to speak to her, but subtle clues from Jennifer seemed to stop June. As time went on, that attitude appeared to continue. Throughout her relationship with the silent twins, Wallace would note June's apparent wish to distance herself from Jennifer and Jennifer's controlling ways. Hmm. A little over a decade after being sent to Broadmoor, it was announced that June and Jennifer were being transferred to a lower security mental facility. Doctors at Broadmoor, as well as Marjorie Wallace, had been pushing to have the girls sent somewhere less intensive and had finally secured a spot at Caswell Clinic in Wales in 1993. And we know that Jennifer Gibbons would never make it. In the days before the move, Wallace visited the twins at Broadmoor as she did every weekend. In an interview with NPR, Wallace later recalled the moment she knew something was wrong. Quote, I took my daughter in and we went through all the doors and then went into the place where the visitors were allowed to have tea. Yeah. And we had quite a jolly conversation to begin with. And then suddenly in the middle of the conversation, Jennifer said, Marjorie, Marjorie, I'm going to have to die. And I sort of laughed. I sort of said, what? Don't be silly. You know, you're just about to be freed from Broadmoor. And why are you going to have to die? You're not ill. And she said, because we've decided. <gasps> At that point, I got very, very frightened because I could see that they meant it. Mm-hmm. End quote. <laughs> Boy, did they. Because we've decided. Mm-hmm. Wallace realized that day that the girls had been preparing for one of them to die for quite some time. It seemed that they had come to the conclusion that one had to die so the other could truly live. Yikes. Mm. Of course, following her strange visit with the girls, Wallace alerted their doctors to the conversation they had shared. The doctors told her not to worry and said that the girls were under supervision. (laughs) The morning that the girls left Broadmoor, Jennifer reported not feeling well. As they watched the gates of Broadmoor close from within their transport car, Jennifer rested her head on June's shoulder and said, At long last, we're out. She then slipped into some sort of coma. Less than 12 hours later, she was dead. Oh, I know. That, to me, that's the craziest part of this whole thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Let let me further into that. Okay. Let me get further into that. (laughs) It wasn't until they reached Wales that any doctor intervened. So they didn't pull over and see what was wrong with her. (laughs) No, they don't. No, No. they didn't. No fucks given. Yeah. It wasn't until they reached Wales that any doctor intervened, and by then, it was too late. At 6.15 that evening, Jennifer Gibbons was pronounced dead. While the official cause of death was believed to be the major swelling around her heart, Jennifer Gibbons' death still largely remains a mystery. There was no evidence of poison in her system or anything else unusual. The doctors at the Caswell Clinic deduced that the medications given to the girls at Broadmoor must have... 
Is the drink <gasps> loosening your tongue? <laughs> Apparently, the doctors at the Caswell Clinic deduced that the medications given to the girls at Broadmoor must have provoked Jennifer's immune system. Though they also noted that June was given the same medications and was in perfect health upon arriving. Yep. After her sister's death, June wrote in her diary, quote, Today, my beloved twin, Jennifer, died. She is dead. Her heart stopped beating. She will never recognize me. Mom and Dad came to see her body. I kissed her stone-colored face. I went hysterical with grief, end yeah. quote. Yeah. Wallace recalled visiting June several days after Jennifer's death and finding her in good spirits and willing to talk for the very first time. From that moment on, it seemed June was a new person. She told Marjorie how Jennifer's death had opened her up and allowed her to be free for the first time. She told her how Jennifer had to die and how they had decided that once she did, it would be June's responsibility to live for the other. And June did just that. Years later, she still lives in the UK, not far from her family. She rejoined society and speaks to anyone who will listen. When asked why she and her sister had committed themselves to being silent for nearly 30 years of their lives, June simply replied, quote, we made a pact. We said we weren't going to speak to anybody. We stopped speaking or stopped talking altogether. Only us two in our bedroom upstairs, end quote. While this started out as a game, it went on for so long that the girls felt the secret language trapped and isolated them. June expressed this in one entry. We are both holding each other back. There is a murderous gleam in her eye. Dear Lord, I am scared of her. She is not normal. She is having a nervous breakdown. Someone is driving her insane. It is me. Wow. I know. That's some heavy stuff. Right? June expressed her sorrow and loss through a poem, which she penned for her twin. Jennifer's headstone is engraved with the poem. We once were two. We two made one. We no more two. Through life be one. Rest in peace. June reportedly visits her sister's grave every week, and she continues to take medication for what doctors believe to be schizophrenia. Okay. Due to their volatile relationship, some believe June had something to do with Jennifer's death, while others think that Jennifer somehow took her own life. Though some believe that Jennifer may have sacrificed her life so that June could fulfill her dreams, she did not pursue her writing aspirations. In an interview, June explained why she let go of her former hopes and dreams. I don't see the point in writing books now. I can communicate by talking now, can't I? Mm-hmm. June Gibbons is reportedly still alive and lives in Wales. Oh, my God. I have a picture of what she looks like right now. Holy shit. Yeah. It says June Gibbons. Hey, girl. Can you say cheekbones? Jeez. Oh, my God. And look Still gorgeous. Exactly. Like, they look exactly the same. They do. You know how sometimes, or like, sh- as people grow, they, like, their facial features evolve right, a little bit? Right, right. They look exactly no, the same. No, you can definitely tell. Yeah. That's June. Oh, my God. So, yeah. Girl. That's my story. All I'm going to say is, like, mind over matter is a powerful thing. Yeah. She was just like, okay, I'm going to die today. And then she did. Yeah. It's insane. That. Uh, oh, my gosh. So good. So, so, so good. Thank you. I love that one. That that's one of my favorites. She was cray. Yeah, she was cray. She was cray. All of it. You ready for Ursula and Sabina Erickson? Of course I am. Okay. Okay. Here we fucking go. Okay. Shared psychoses, shared delusions, folie adieu, madness in two people, 
It is a syndrome that transmits delusional beliefs from one person to someone else, often close loved ones, sometimes multiple people. What makes one's brain so powerful that they can share the monsters of the mind with someone else? The Trump family. Parents convinced that someone was out to kill them and their adult children without warning, empty-handed, no passports, credit cards, or phones, got in their car and fled the family farm, driving almost a thousand miles. It is suggested that some of the world's most heinous crimes were committed by folks experiencing this. Nathan Leopold and Richard Loeb, sisters Christine and Leah Pappen, Peepin, Pappen. And more recently, the conception. Don't put that. Don't put that. In there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, drink more. That'll help. That. I'll, I'll spill a little. Okay, it's fine. And more recently, the conception of the Slender Man myths. And the attempted murder of a young girl by their friends. Perhaps one of the most baffling cases of folie du involves twin sisters Sabina and Ursula Erickson. Yeah. Twins are said to share a bond that can defy scientific explanation. Some say that the connection forged in the womb allows twins to feel each other's pain or even communicate via ESPN. For Ursula and Sabina Erickson, they're born. I, I, I had to. It's like a ESPN or something. Yeah. I've got to fit the sense. <laughs> I mean, that's fantastic. Okay, carry on. Their bond took them on a bizarre trip, one that involved attempted suicide, superhuman strength, reality television, and even murder. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, I have a pick of the sisters. Okay, <laughs> uh, that's Sabina. And I'm then, terrified. Yep, she's. I'm scared of her. Just, just from the picture, without knowing any facts, terrified. I'm scared of the bitch. Yeah, and then Ursula, who looks kind of sweet. And this is the only photo that I have ever found of her. Currently, okay. Yeah, I'm going to go into that. <laughs> Anyways, the Swedish Ericsson twins made headlines in 2008 after a series of strange events took place in the United Kingdom. A truly bizarre story and its aftermath has left authorities and physicians puzzled. What exactly happened that caused the twins to snap? Did they really experience a shared psychosis? I don't, I don't know. Ultimately, the only people who can know what happened to the Erickson sisters are Ursula and Sabina themselves. But their strange case is darkly fascinating all the same. Honestly, there's not much known about them at all aside from this incident. Um, I know that they had a sister named Mona and they had a brother Bjorn. And that's that's about all I got of their background. Can I just say I love the name Mona? I know. <laughs> I love that name. I don't know why I love that name so much. I do too. It's but like lots of my favorite characters are named Mona. Like Mona Mayfair in the Anne Rice books. Mm. In, the, in the witch books. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. Mona on Pretty Little Liars. That crazy little bitch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like so yeah. many Monas. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. No, it is a good name. There are photos of them from their childhood, but after diving into this rabbit hole, I'm not really sure which ones are accurate. 
Okay. Okay. I'm going to tell you why. Because when you look them up on Google, go to the drive. Okay. And there is a childhood photo, childhood one. Mm Mm-hmm. This is the one that pops up. Okay. Okay. Supposed to be Ursula on the left and Sabina on the right. Okay. And, and I, mm, I don't know because in my rabbit hole, I found a Facebook page and they had childhood two photo. Okay. Which looks more like them to me. Yeah. Supposed to be Ursula on the left and Sabina on the right. And the reason Ursula's face looks so messed up is supposedly, this hasn't been verified, so y'all don't hate me, don't come after me, but they were conjoined twins, and supposedly Ursula was attached to Sabina's spine, like by her nose, by her face, so that's why she looks a little odd. I don't know, but y'all help me out on this, (laughs) because... It's up for debate. If this is true, holy shit. Because there's really no info on them. Like, there's not a lot of background. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. We'll let you guys be the judges. I'm, I'm just saying what I found. I don't know. The Erickson sisters' strange trip began in May of 2008 when Ursula, who had been living at the in the U.S. at the time, decided to visit her twin sister, Sabina, in County Cork, Ireland. Within 24 hours of her arrival, the two took a ferry to Liverpool. Um, Sabina had a partner and two kids at the time. And her partner reported to police. She said it was just... Okay, I don't know if it was a she or he. Partner, I don't... Their partner reported. Yeah, it just says partner. Um, Said that it was really weird. When Ursula got there, became they became inseparable, and then all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, poof, they were just gone. Okay. So, upon arriving in the English port city, the twins paid a visit to the St. Anne Street Police Station to report concerns over Sabina's children, whom she had left with her partner back in Ireland. From there, the Erickson sisters boarded a National Express coach to London, where the, their behavior would take a more erratic turn. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Unsure hold on. why the women would come to England to report the incident, local police called in a welfare check to Irish authorities. Learning everything was all right, Sabine and Ursula got on the bus en route to London. During the trip, some of the passengers and the driver witnessed strange behavior from the twins. Reportedly, the twins have refused to check their bags and became enraged when the bus staff attempted to take them from them. They were Don't like, touch my shit. I mean, they were like clenching their bags to their chests. What was in them bags? Um, I'm going to tell you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know what was in them bags. <laughs> the women even suggested the driver stop because they weren't feeling well. <laughs> Uncertain of their intentions, the driver made an unplanned stop at a service station. Get these crazy bitches off. Pretty much. Yeah. The twins continued strange behavior. Worry the driver to the point where he didn't allow them back on the coach, bus, <laughs> whatever. Fuck right off. You hear? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need you to properly fuck off. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. Leaving them at the service station. Uh, this was around lunchtime. 
The driver wasn't alone in his opinions. The manager of the service station also believed the women were acting in a strange manner, and she called the police. She said they were walking around all sus-like, clutching their bags to their chest, and almost appeared to be plotting something. The police thought maybe they had a bomb, possibly. So Hit when the deck. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but when they arrived, the police spoke with the twins, and judging them to be no threat, they shortly left after that. What? Yep. Apparently, they put on a good act. Okay. Once the cops left, Sabina and Ursula followed suit and decided to walk along one of the busiest highways in England, the M6. Okay. This road is not designed for pedestrians. I have a picture of the M6. Okay. Okay, so it'd be like them walking down I-20. Um, it is six lanes. And you see where they're walking. Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Indeed. But, like, the amount of shoulder on this road is like I-20. Yeah. Well, Oh, yeah. Not all of you are from here. You don't know what the fuck I-20 looks like. Yeah. There's not enough room on the shoulder for them to be walking down the street. Or in the median, because that's yeah. where they were. Like, see yeah. the little... They, uh, yeah. Like, they were I, walking between between the guardrails, like, when people started noticing yeah. them. I, I see that. I was just saying, yeah. like, it's not... It's totes not a walkable highway. Nope. Not at all. It's, it's really busy. Don't walk down the M6. Mm-mm. So... Seen on the motorway's closed-circuit cameras, CCTV, the Ericsons walked along the M6 down the central reservation or the median without warning. Both of the sisters made a left out into traffic. Uh, Sabina gets clipped by a car. Oh, my gosh. Traffic was disrupted. Someone was late (laughs) back to work after lunchtime. (laughs) Oh, I can't believe it. Oh, my God. They were probably on their cell phone going, can you fucking believe this? White people. White people. <laughs> <laughs> These fucking white bitches. I oh, my God. God. <laughs> <laughs> you are not going to believe what I just saw oh in front of me. Girl. Oh, my God. What, like, when you, when you watch the video, like, Sabita gets clipped by a car and, like, Ursula just keeps going. <laughs> She looks back and she's like, oh, shit, my sister got hit. (laughs) Oh, man. Now what? (laughs) Now what do we do? Well, motorists called the highway patrol and police. Expecting the worst, members of both services arrived, finding her with only superficial injuries. How? I don't no. She got hit by a car on the highway. No, she just got clipped. Oh. It, not not hit. She Another got grazed bitch. by a car. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Yeah. Um, so they talked with the twins on the shoulder and allowed traffic to resume. They were just sitting there talking. The girls were smoking cigarettes, just kind of chilling. Oh, my God. And um, as officers were trying to calm the twins, Ursula... All of a sudden, darted out into traffic. Get your shit together. No, bitch. <laughs> she got run over by a 40-ton box truck traveling 60 miles per hour. Okay? Crushing her legs. Crushed them. What in the actual Completely. Just <laughs> you know what sounds like a good idea? I'm just going <laughs> to run right out here in the middle of the highway. 
I can't. Like, cops were holding on to her, and she ripped out of her jacket. She was like, no, bitch, I'm going. She was she was dedicated. She was trying to kill herself. She she was she mm-hmm. was trying to complete suicide. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We'll get there. <laughs> Why else would you jump in front of a forty ton box truck, girl? This isn't even the craziest part. I'm just okay. getting started. Well, then read. Oh my gosh! All right. So tell just, me stories. Just as suddenly, Sabina also jumped into <laughs> oncom- oncoming traffic. Oncoming. On- <laughs> oncoming <laughs> traffic, and was quickly struck by a car at high speed not clipped no (laughs) the bitch was struck by a car smashed into the windshield thrown into the air and landed hard on the road would you like to see a photo of the car indeed i would okay go to the notes it says car this was not a clip oh my goodness no Mm -mm. she hit that shit hard yeah, she like somersaulted on top of the car. Like, like a movie. You'll see. <laughs> <laughs> like that scene in Remy and Michelle <laughs> when Michelle gets hit by the limo and she's just is somersaulting yes. across the top. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's like that. All right. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> so, coincidentally, this is the best part oh my to me. The particular group of police that responded had a film crew <laughs> it was in cops. tow. It was cops. Pretty much. Bad boy, bad boy. What, what you gonna, gonna do? What, what you gonna, gonna do when they come for you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, uh, they were shooting a reality TV show <laughs> called Motorway Cops. And with cameras in hand, they uh, captured the bizarre events that unfolded. This is fantastic. It is so fucking fantastic. <laughs> so all of this shit was caught on camera. Every single bit. And of course, I have the video. Of course you do. I will post it. You're fucking welcome. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> There's also a documentary by BBC called Madness in the Fast Lane. So that's two documentaries we need to watch. Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, I've watched this one three times. Oh, my God. Uh, it's on YouTube. It's fucking incredible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Just go watch it, y'all. Uh, suffering multiple compound fractures. Also, Ursula screamed. Ulcer. <laughs> I'm just, y'all, I'm so sorry. This, is, this is about to get so good. Okay. I can't even talk. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> okay. So, suffering multiple compound compound fractures. She had broken bones. Okay? Her legs were crushed. (laughs) Ursula screamed at police, even though they were trying to help her. She spit and hissed and clawed at them, saying, fuck you! And calling them bitch asses. Nice! (laughs) (laughs) You bitch ass bitch! (laughs) Oh my god! Like, that's my favorite part. (laughs) Bitch ass! She was also screaming at her her sister, they're going to steal your organs! And telling paramedics, were they tripping? Hold on. Okay, I'm sorry. sorry. They have mushrooms in them bags. Dude, I'm fucking, I'm covering every detail. Okay, I'm sorry. So shish? Yeah. Okay. I got you. Okay. Don't worry. 
Okay. So she was screaming, they're going to steal your organs. And she was telling paramedics, I recognize you. I know you're not real. <laughs> She's like, y'all are informants. <laughs> so after being unconscious for 15 minutes, Sabina got up. She was the one that was hit by the car. Okay. Oh, my gosh. She got up and started struggling and fighting with the police, running away from them, screaming for help, yelling for the police. And there was one lady officer that was, like, trying to kind of subdue her and chase after her. And she punched her in the face. (laughs) Knocked her ass down. Okay. And uh, so then she ran into traffic on the other side of the motorway. Oh my gosh. Again. The cops said that Sabina had superhuman strength and it required six, six, okay? Six people, police and motorists, to subdue and restrain her. Wow. They were able to sedate her eventually, like over on the other side. They got her back to the other side. Mm-hmm. And they were able to assess her then and transport both of them to the hospital but the story continues to get weirder we ain't done not even close all the people on the scene swore that they were on something like several times it like it's mentioned they're like they've got to be on something they've got to be on drugs they've got to be tripping they like you said like they've so i have pictures of the highway incident okay let's go Okay. All right. Highway one. Bitch climbing out her jacket. Bitch climbing out her jacket. That's Ursula. Okay. Okay. Ursula is in uh Bitches down. Bitches down. Bitch be down. Okay. <laughs> um her legs oh don't God. don't look good. Uh-uh. There you go. All right. Oh, she's finna haul ass. Highway three has Sabina. Finna haul ass. Fit in a haul ass. All right. Okay. Highway four has Sabina coming to. She's trying to get up. And that uh, lady in the yellow jacket is the one who unfortunately gets punched in the face. Oh, my gosh. The other one is the one who was driving the car that hit her. Oh, my gosh. Highway five is them trying to carry her. Whoa. I skipped ahead a little bit. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah, you're you're taking too long. Okay, Highway Six. <laughs> That's when she punched the bitch. <laughs> you got knocked the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. Yes. 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 <laughs> I was like, damn. Y'all go watch the video. The bitch got knocked the fuck out. <laughs> so they transferred them to a hospital. And at the hospital, the paramedics rushed, rushed Ursula to Ursula Ursula to surgery while other staff evaluated Sabina. She exhibited a calm demeanor, answering most questions in a congenial manner. Ma- ma- manner? A far cry from the savage behavior she displayed on the motorway. She even joked with the staff. Want to hear a shocker? I'd be in a joking mood, too, if I just got hit by a car. I mean, I do, like, a nervous <laughs> joking thing. So, like, I make inappropriate jokes when I'm nervous or scared. or <laughs> So, I'd probably do it, too. <laughs> you definitely have the nervous laughter thing down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So, when, when, when those four hours I spent in jail. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so, the cop that arrested me was, like, super hot. Oh, my God. <laughs> or that, like, came to pick me up. 
he was like he didn't put handcuffs on me the whole entire time he was like okay to walk you into the jail i have to put handcuffs on you but i'm gonna put two pairs so you won't hurt and i was like well this isn't a normal time for me to put in handcuffs oh my god why did i word vomit why i i did i word vomited so there yeah yeah you're so pretty shut up So she joked with the staff, too. <laughs> okay, so here here's the weird part. So they both had toxicology screens. Uh-huh. No drugs or alcohol. Lies. In either one of their systems. I cannot even. Nothing. They didn't eat mushrooms or nothing? Nothing. They tested for mushrooms. No. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. Like, Damn. All right. Mm-hmm. <sighs> if that's what they say. That's what they say. <laughs> so the bags. The yeah. Twins what was in the fucking bags? We're so protective of. <laughs> Only held one passport, two cell phones, and a laptop. There wasn't no drugs in there either. Nope. Money. No drugs. Nope. Nothing. Man, they could have had them fucking bags. <laughs> like, <laughs> Don't know what was on the cell phones. Don't know what was on the laptop. Nothing. Don't know whose passport it was. It was one of them, but don't know who. Okay. Wow. Mm -hmm. So, after seeing several professionals, they all deemed that Sabina did not exhibit any signs of mental or psychological illness and was released to police custody after being charged and sentenced to one day of custody, which was considered already served you're throwing your hands up what what the f- in the actual yep. fuck what in the actual fuck yep 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 Oy. during booking uh sabina seemed fine like almost normal even flirty oh god mm-hmm. the entire time sabina was questioned she never gave a reason for being in england and never once asked about her sister ursula she was more concerned about what she was wearing. She made, <laughs> seriously, she made comments about her socks being dirty. <laughs> like, this was, was the one in like the red jacket? Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, I see that. Mm-hmm. Okay. She was like, oh, my socks are dirty, so they probably stink. Like, oh my God. Uh, and then they made her take off her jewelry. You she just was like, back far. No, this is what she was concerned about though. Oh, like God. they made her take off her jewelry. She was like, I have to take this off too, even the earrings. Oh, my God. She did make some strange comments about how they say in Sweden that an accident rarely comes along. And when it does, there may be one more or maybe even two. Okay. Like, why Why did you say that? But other than that, she was just odd. And there's no crime in that. So, she was free to leave. Yeah, we all a little weird. We all, we all a little weird. We all, we all weird. But we don't all... Jump Show out it. in front of trucks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nope. I ain't gonna do that. <laughs> no. 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 I hope not. Not today. Not today. So we're good. Yeah. So she was free to leave. She didn't have anywhere else to go. And unfortunately, a good Samaritan would be the next to get involved with this story's madness. Don't talk to strangers. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Just days after she was released by authorities, as she wandered the streets of Stroke on Trent. <laughs> yep. Yep. 
Yep. That's real? <laughs> that is real. No. It's called Stroke on Trent. He be stroking. <laughs> <laughs> I stroke it to the east. <laughs> I stroke it to... I can't. I'm not gonna... I can't. I remember the dance. <laughs> There's a dance? There's a line dance to that. Oh, bitch. There's, no. there's a line dance to that. Yep. No. Yep. Okay. You probably would have liked it. No, I'm going to need you to do that. Okay. Okay, sorry. We're stroking on Trent. We're stroking on Trent. <laughs> <laughs> so, around 9.30 that evening, she encountered two men walking a dog and asked where she might find a bed and breakfast. Glenn Hollingshead and his friend Peter Malloy. They were not friends. Why were they not? Fr- they wasn't friends. Girl. And they wasn't roommates. <laughs> no, Come on. They were not roommates. They did not live together. Oh, they hadn't taken that step. They yet. hadn't taken that step. Okay. That was just friends. Okay. 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 But we all know. So okay. they were at the pub that <laughs> night. Mm-hmm. And they were walking home with Glenn's dog when they saw Sabina standing on the side of the road. Unfortunately, there were no places to stay in the area. But after hearing that Sabina was looking for her sister, Glenn offered his place to rest and said that he would call around to local hospitals. Peter thought she was off, like, right away, but Glenn was too much of a nice guy to leave her stranded. Mm-mm-mm. I have a picture of Glenn. Okay. <laughs> okay. So we've learned, or I've learned, you've learned too. Y'all have all learned that when somebody says they were such a nice person and they would give the shirt off their back to anybody it's not it's not good no okay it's never good it's it's something bad's gonna happen yep foreshadowing mm-hmm. <laughs> so peter joined glenn and sabina back at glenn's for a few drinks for a while but then left after a while when she continued to act odd don't leave your friends in weird situations thank you peter thank you asshole you. thank you like i was gonna say that like a few sentences later but um yeah peter Come on, Peter. Come on, Peter. Come on, Peter. I can't with Peter. Peter. <laughs> so she often, like, stood up suddenly, peeking out the curtains and, like, looking out the blinds and then suddenly popping them closed and looking down the street for someone that was following her. That, my friends, is called paranoia. Yeah. You get well, that when you're on drugs. I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced that they weren't on something. Or head trauma. Yeah, that too. I mean, she did just get hit by a car twice. Yeah. (laughs) True story. And kept going. She's a fucking Energizer bunny. Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay. PCP. Just saying. I can fly. Okay. (laughs) All right. Sorry. (laughs) Um, she offered both men cigarettes, but just before they lit them, Sabina snatched them back out of their mouths, putting them back in her pack. And they asked her, like, bitch, what the fuck? And she said, oh, they're probably poisoned and you shouldn't smoke them. (laughs) But she had been smoking from the same pack the whole entire night. PCP! (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Yeah. So, while with Glenn and Peter, Sabina never complained about pain and didn't exhibit any behavior of someone that had just been run over by a car. Of course, because she had. 
when Peter left later that evening around midnight, it would be the last time he ever saw his friend alive. Don't leave your friends with creepy women. <sighs> creepy Ugh. people, period. Yeah. If you see something, say something. And Buddy system. Ugh! Buddy up. Yeah, because we got that strong. Buddy up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why we survived New Orleans. Mm-hmm. It's two hot females. Yeah. Mm. Two hot 20-somethings. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> it had nothing to do with the fact that we were exhausted and back in the hotel room by like 9.30. It's fine. Yeah, we didn't have time for anybody <laughs> else's bullshit. We were on a mission. We wanted to do what we wanted to do and didn't give a fuck about anybody else. So that we probably put off that vibe. Truthies. Yeah. And I'm okay with it. So, in the morning, Glenn continued to make phone calls trying to locate Sabina's sister. Around lunchtime, he called his brother Paul and recruited him in the search as well because he worked at a local hospital. Sabina didn't seem distressed at all. Glenn seemed his normal self, said his brother. Like, he could even hear Sabina in the background and she sounded fine. Um, They actually just hung out at Glenn's that entire day. Just chilling. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. <laughs> they wouldn't just chilling. <laughs> They'd be stroking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I I don't know. It's not confirmed. I hate to, like... But probably. All signs point to fucking. Because later that day, around 7 p.m., okay, mm-hmm. uh, Glenn asked his neighbor for some tea bags. Because <laughs> they all about some tea. You said teabags. <laughs> <laughs> I just... <laughs> you didn't think about that. <laughs> you shot a teabagger, okay? <laughs> you should have said teabags. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it's probably the only thing we haven't said on you. <laughs> Pretty sure we're 12 today. It's fine. Oh, we graduated to 12. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Okay, 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 okay. So, his neighbor was washing his car, but the neighbor told him he'd bring a few bags over after he was finished. Almost immediately after Glenn returned to his home, he, like, literally over just one minute, like 70 seconds, okay? He staggered outside. Did you just say 70 seconds? 70 seconds. Oh, over a minute. A little over a minute. Okay, I'm here with you. Are you okay? I'm following there? you on your journey. Okay. Are you sure? And I love this okay. for you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm good. Keep going. So, he staggered outside, pouring blood from four stab wounds. Ah. Heard, I've also heard five, but, you know, it, it, enough is, one is enough. Okay? Yeah. What's one more stab? <laughs> yeah. He told the neighbor, she stabbed me, and he collapsed. His neighbor quickly dialed 999, which is 911 over there, Mm -hmm. uh, when he saw all the blood. They actually had a conversation before he passed. Glenn told him he was dying. His neighbor told him to hang in there. He was like, no, bro, you're you're good. You're good. You Gucci, baby. You're going to be fine. You Gucci. Glenn asked his neighbor to look after his dog, and his neighbor promised he would, and that was it. Yeah, because he didn't want fuckboy Peter doing it because he left him with a murderer. Yeah, he's not reliable at all. Right? 
shortly after, CCTV captures Sabina fleeing Glenn's apartment carrying a soft hammer, which is also a rubber mallet. Okay. And a roofing tile she had shoved into her pocket. What the fuck? I don't know where the fuck she got a roofing tile. Like, why the fuck you got roofing tiles just laying around? I, and if not, why the fuck she getting a roofing tile? I, I don't know. Why'd she grab a rubber mallet? To get the roofing tile. <laughs> huh. You know, huh. I never thought about that. <laughs> but maybe that's how she got the roofing tile. Huh. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know either. Okay. <laughs> Here we go into another crazy situation. Okay, I'm ready for it. That's two. I'm ready. All right. A passing motorist, Joshua Grottage, stopped uh, to help her when he noticed that she was smashing herself in the head with the hammer. When he approached her, he noticed that her hair was matted with blood from her self-inflicted blows. Hey, <laughs> you're crazy, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I mean, maybe that's what he was thinking at first, but, uh. Mm. <laughs> so he tried to grab the hammer from her and help her out, but she freaked out on him and made these really weird, quote unquote, primitive noises. Ooh. I don't know. I don't have a recording of that. I, I want to know. Yeah. But. Uh-huh. So she repaid him for his assistance. By uh, slamming a roofing tile into his head. That's not okay. To get away from him. Yeah. She fled again and was pursued by responding authorities. Um, They followed her to a bridge, which she immediately jumped from. It was 30 feet. Okay. Okay. She didn't die. Of course not. She broke both her ankles and fractured her skull. Yikes. So once again, she was rushed to the hospital, and it would be months before her and her twin would be released. Okay. Ursula was allowed to return to her family in Sweden. Sabina was charged with murder. It's the only part of their escapade that she will acknowledge responsibility for. So she admits to being responsible for murdering home dude. Yeah. But nothing else was out of sorts? Right. Okay. I don't, I don't know if... I don't know. She just won't talk about it. Sabina was charged with the murder of Glenn on September 11th, 2008. Her trial began September 1st, 2009. Sabina's trial was postponed for a long time while the authorities tried to get her medical records from Sweden. The judge said it was the most difficult one he had ever dealt with. Eventually, she pled guilty to lesser charges. She was assessed by two different forensic psychiatrists, okay? Mm Mm-hmm. When questioned, Sabina only gave one answer. Two little words. No comment. (laughs) (laughs) Want to piss somebody off? (laughs) No comment. No comment. And you can totally legally do it. Yep. I totally legally would. I'm not. I'm. Yeah. 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 Uh, I would, too. Sabina's defense team argued that she had suffered a folie a deux. I love that phrase. It's so fun to say. Folie a deux. Folie a deux. Yeah. Or induced delusional disorder and shared psychosis with her twin sister Ursula, causing her to have intense delusions during the committal of her crimes. Okay. The prosecution came up with a similar diagnosis, acute polymorphic psychotic disorder, which basically means you go nuts for a couple of weeks and then you're back to being completely normal. Everybody's got that. 
I, yeah. Like, okay. Um, it has a French term, buffet de, de la rente. Phoebe buffet. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Meaning a puff of madness. I like it. I want to smoke that. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I guess you'll be jumping in front of trucks and shit. No, it just need no puffs of madness. Well, you know, it's not going to actually do that to you, but the name sounds fun. Yeah. I mean, I like it. <laughs> poof. Poof. Of madness. <laughs> the judge determined that the diagnoses were close enough and that Sabina had a low culpability of her crimes due to her diminished state and she was sentenced to only five years in prison. Fuck off. Yeah. Well, he felt sorry for her, basically. I'll be fucking damned. You murdered someone. It's- I don't feel sorry for you. No, 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 thank you, please. What is wrong with people? That. I need to be a judge. No. No. <laughs> I'd be scared as fuck. I'd be like, oh shit, I got Goetsky. Fuck. Goetsky. <laughs> we all going to jail. We all going we to jail. We fucked y'all. We are fucked. Hug your mamas because you're going to jail. Yep. I, I'd be assassinated. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'd never last. Oh my God. No. You totes don't think that. I'd be a bodyguard. I wouldn't let him. And uh. <laughs> Okay. Oh my God. Okay. Back on track. Back on track. All right. She served. You ready for this? Only two and a half years of her five year sentence after which she returned to Sweden as well. Two and a half years. What? Yep. During her, just, I I, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. (laughs) During her incarceration, Sabina never let on about why she and her sister were in England what had happened on the day of the M6, or what happened with Glenn. She never spoke of her sister, and the investigation into the twins' past didn't show any history of mental illness or psychosis. They shouldn't be allowed to visit each other ever again. That should be a rule. I don't think they have. There are no reports of them seeing each other ever again. Because homegirl's legs just healed. (laughs) (laughs) Did you see the photo? <laughs> She's trying to walk. Okay. <laughs> she got her own shit to deal with. Oh, my God. Um, so Some suggest that Ursula's original psychosis affected Sabina, causing her to do things that ended in the unfortunate murder of Glenn and one of the most bizarre cases in Folia Du. Folia Du. I just love it. It's so pretty. The family of Glenn was unhappy with the outcome of Sabina's trial. Well, no shit. Yeah. Why, they wondered, the woman had been released from psychiatric care just two days after apparently attempting to kill herself on the M6? Don't know. Because, yes, that did look like a suicide pact, honestly. Like, why why the fuck would you do that? And, you know, now that I think about it, does Glenn not own a TV? Mm. Okay. So, it had basically happened the same day. So... Reality TV doesn't necessarily yeah, cater but, to but re- that re- sh- releasing things to the police when they should. Yeah, but surely that shit should have been on the news. Where was the news crews? It wasn't on the news. It was not. They didn't either. have a chopper in there. Nope. That. Nope. That's how you know it wasn't America. It was not America because they would have been shot. Because we followed they- OJ. <laughs> <laughs> we followed Dude. OJ for so long. <laughs> 
If it was America, they would have been tased and shot dead, okay? Truthies. Seriously. Yeah. They wouldn't have had a chance. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Ursula reportedly went back to the U.S. after the incident while Sabina was released on parole in 2011. It's believed she returned to Europe, however, and her whereabouts are currently unknown. Well, that's frightening. Yep. A little bit. As for exactly what happened that set off the bizarre chain of events for the twin Erickson sisters, that remains a mystery. When asked for a possible explanation, Detective Superintendent Dave Dave Garrett had this to say. The reasons for the two events may never be truly known or understood, but the taking of Glenn's life was a violent and senseless act. Well, no shit, pal. Okay. There's a lot of conspiracies with this case. I'm not going to go into them, but I'm going to say what they are. Okay. Aliens. Clones. Special secret agents. Robots, possessed, psychotic break, the folia do. I don't know, but I do know this. There are no pictures of Ursula. Even when you watch the video, they do not show her face. Ever. Why? I don't know. That picture that I showed y'all is the only picture I have been able to find of Ursula. Hmm. It's really, really weird. Like, okay, they say that Ursula was the, she was the, um, catalyst, pretty much. Okay. Okay. I don't, I don't, I don't see that. I see it as Sabina, because when Sabina got away from Ursula, Sabina was still acting fucking crazy. Yeah. Okay? It was still going on. She didn't stop. Supposedly Ursula did. Maybe it's because she was in the hospital and couldn't do anything, but you didn't hear her... There's no reports of anything after that. She didn't go crazy in the hospital, lashing out on people. That's true. That's true. So I I, I think they may got it a little bit wrong. But that's just me. I don't know. I say psychotic break slash folio du. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. I I would definitely say psychotic break and folio du probably most likely. I mean, the other one, the... Buffet de, de la, whatever it was. Buffet. Yeah, the Phoebe Buffet was <laughs> definitely a possibility as well. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. No one will ever know. There's no way to know. Because um, they don't talk about it. Like, um, the only current reports of anything is from Sabina's son, Simon, on his MySpace page. And he's MySpace, like, MySpace, <laughs> I miss MySpace. <laughs> he's like, um, we don't talk about it. It's called The Car Accident. That's what their their family refers to it as. Sure. Yeah. But other than that, like, it's it's not talked about. Some people say okay. that they're under police protective orders to not talk about it. I don't know. And it's driving me nuts. But there y'all go. There's no way to know. No way to know. Good job. This was, was a well. good episode. I really like this episode. Not to toot our own horns or anything. Yeah, but but we were both really excited about these cases. <laughs> We've known about these for a while. Yes. Yeah. But we did it. We did it. Hooray. We did a really good job. I'd like to think so. I would too. Yes. Yeah. Pat on the back. Yes. All right, baby. Hit me with your segment. Hit me with your best Best shot. Come on and hit me with your best shot. All right. Who who killed who? Who did what today? (laughs) Who framed Roger Rabbit? (laughs) Oh, my God. That's the name of it. 
That's the name of the segment now is Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And now it's time for Who Framed Roger Roger Rabbit. Rabbit. (laughs) Okay. Who lives in the douche box this week. (laughs) (laughs) All the douchery. Okay. (laughs) So this is coming to you on February the 16th. Hopefully, probably, maybe. David John Burney. He was born on February 16th of 1951. And Catherine Margaret Burney, born May 23rd, 1951, were an Australian couple from Perth, Australia. All right. That just, that seems redundant. Right. Were an Australian couple from Perth. They didn't have to throw that extra Australia in there. Yeah. Okay. We didn't write it. I know. They murdered four women ranging in age from 15 to 31 in their home in the 1980s and attempted to murder a fifth. These crimes were referred to in the press as the Morehouse murders after the Bernie's address at 3 Morehouse Street in Willigie, Willigie, a suburb of <laughs> Perth, Western Australia. Okay. The end. Ah! I know, short and sweet one. But, but, I, Murderous I, couple, the couple. I want more! That, that's all I got. We'll have to jiggle it. Maybe. Yeah. 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 Any more deeds? Oh my goodness, I read the first sentence of 17th. Nope, nope, nope. I know. No. We'll get there eventually. Hang on. It says, no. Metrosexual assault squad is the very first thing. (laughs) Oh. Now tell me how I'm supposed to pass that up. Well, wait till next year. (laughs) Maybe. It's fine. I don't know. Whenever that day comes. I don't know. Okay. Okay. Well, we did it. We did it. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that was fun. Go follow us. On all the things. Go review us if you want a sticker. And if you reviewed us, please tell us you did so. There's so we still can send two you that have not identified yes. themselves. But if you love the show, if you want to help the show, mm-hmm. that's how you do that. Is by rating and reviewing. Bigger. Rate and review us. And then we can bring you all the things that we have in our back pockets over here. Yeah. Like all these videos we keep talking about. Yeah. We want to bring you guys like eventually some merchandise and some uh, Patreon yes. stuff. And videos and maybe go live sometimes. Some kind of extras. Girl. We're trying to entice you. Are you enticed yet? Oh my god. That's <laughs> so sexy. Okay. Okay, well, on that note, we're going to wrap this shit up. Yep. All right. So, um, this was fun. And bye, you guys. Later. (laughs) Thanks for hanging out with us. Don't forget to visit us on Facebook and Instagram for episode picks and announcements. Please rate and review on Apple, Spotify, and Facebook. We want to give a huge shout out to Stephen Goetzky for editing, Craig Weaver for music, and our very own Amanda Hagens for art. We'll talk at you next week. <laughs>